We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey... Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Good morning, Grinders! Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed. Blender HD, if you want to follow me on Twitter. And it's Tuesday, March 7th. And uh we're getting we're getting ready for uh, MLB season, right? We're getting we got the NBA. We still got NBA going on. We got stuff going on. I'm here answering your, your strategy questions as as always. So get them in. Email them in at questions at theoryofdfs.com about anything. But anything you want. But remember, this is unstructured learning. So if you have a question about uh, projections, leverage, correlation, combinatorics, uh, payout structures, and it, it could be, hey, prop, prop betting or your the daily fantasy pick em contests, right? Like prize picks or underdog, anything, expected value, and anything, anything that helps you uh, be a more, a more profitable or hopefully a winning. Daily fantasy sports player in in any in any regard. So uh, give me those uh, thummy thumbs in the chat. You know how much I love the thummy thumbs. Hit the thumbs up button, smash the like button, the subscribe button, the notification bell. We got, of course, what doesn't Suki sing here? Early as usual. Everyone else, Devin's here. Steve, Steve's off this week. So you can say hi to Devin in the chat if you want. He's he's rarely here. Uh, so what do we got on the docket today? I got a question, and I get this. I get this question every so often. I'm surprised I, I don't. I don't get it more often, but it it happened. It I, I get it more more on Twitter actually on DM Twitter, but not necessarily emailed in about lineup trains. I I you sometimes see this in in, in on Reddit as well. Uh, about when people use lineup trains in GPPs, and it, and it, there's a difference between GPPs and double ups. So we'll we'll get into that. But here's the question. This is from uh, just from Jeremy Robbins, right? Email your questions in questions at theoryofdfs.com. Is there a reason that many players 
use a lineup train in 20 max contests. Okay, he says, if my strategy is to win, I think I obviously have a better chance of hitting first place lineup if I build 20 different lineups. Okay, that makes that makes logical sense, right? Because you build one lineup 20 times, it's like, well, I got one shot of winning first place, but I'm going to win first, second, third, fourth, fifth, all the way down to 20th. But I've seen a, quite a number of players who play a 20 lineup train of the same lineup, which when it hits is quite profitable and super tilting when they move ahead of you by a fraction and knock you down the leaderboard. Is this just players being lazy, like users being lazy? Is there strategy that when it does hit, it's much more profitable than it was just a single lineup? Is it ever a positive EV move to do this? To me, it seems counterintuitive. Okay, I get this. I get this question a lot. It's like, oh, oh the person that won, then they the GPP has you know use the same lineup multiple times, or they'll they'll see who knows, right? In the Millie Maker or something, they look at results DB and like some person put in the same lineup hundred and fifty times, and then if you watch the show, you'll 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 see me go like it's it's stupid. It's negative EV. It's less EV. The better way of putting it, it's less EV to duplicate your own lineup. If it's if it's negative EV to duplicate someone else's lineup, it's negative EV to duplicate your own lineup as well. You're, you're still competing against your own lineup. But let's 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 get back to the concepts now, okay? Right? Because remember, technically the the end questions are yes and no questions, and they would be they would be incorrect. Right, because remember, anything with a yes or a no is probably a bad question. Uh, if, let, let me ask a question to the, to the YouTube chat, okay? If you had complete information on a slate, okay? If you had complete information, if you knew everything, if you knew exactly what was going to happen on, an, let's say, last night's NBA slate or something, or today's NBA slate, who knows? If you knew exactly, you had complete information. And you had the ability to enter 150 lineups into the large field, whatever contests, you know, DraftKings or FanDuel, whatever they're running. And you had complete information. How many different lineups would you play out of your 150 lineups? You're, you're going to enter 150 lineups. Would you play 150 different lineups? What would you do if you had complete information? which obviously we, we don't, you don't have a time machine. You don't know what the players are going to do. That would make the information complete. If that's the case, what would you do? Would you play a different, would, would you play one lineup that like you knew right here? Imagine you Jesse says, I'd run the train, right? Because obviously if you knew exactly what the players did and were going to do, you can play literally the best possible lineup. The lineup that can't be beat, right? Whatever the combination salary-wise that fits in, this lineup scores 458 points, and there's no way of there's no way of beating it. Now the second that there'll be the second best lineup is 456 points, right? A lot of these lineups, the top you know 50 lineups that could possibly be you know could possibly be optimal, like aren't even played in GPPs, like. Most of the time, you don't even need the best possible ever, you know, complete information lineup you need. But since you have that information, you could 
You could have the first best one, the second best one, the third best one, the fourth best one, the fifth best. Why wouldn't you do that? Well, is there is there a reason why you would need to do that? So let's take let's take a look at a payout structure. I, I have you know my notebook up over here. We get we kind of get rid of. Let's get rid of the, the this a normal payout structure. Get rid of the flatter one because we we barely see flatter ones. So there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. 10. Like these, these are the top 10 finishing places. Obviously, large field or whatever, there'll be plenty more, right? 900, 800, whatever below it. So if you play, if this was the top, you know, if you played 10 lineups, right? And you had complete information. Is there any reason for you to play any other lineup? You're guaranteed first place no matter what. So if you if you play 10 lineups and you play one lineup there. You're going to get $100,000, right? To play the same lineup in all these spots, you're just going to split all these spots. So you're going to capture all this money in the top 10. If you have 10 lineups and you play the optimal, the optimal with the complete information, you'd capture all of them. Now, if you play the second best lineup, the third best lineup, the fourth best lineup, the fifth best lineup, the sixth best lineup, the seventh best lineup, the eighth best lineup, the ninth best lineup, the tenth best lineup, you know what happens? You end up getting the same exact thing. Right, because you're going to capture all the spots anyway. Now, if someone else also has that lineup, obviously be splitting in those spots. So there's no incentive to be any different. If you knew, if you had the best, if you knew this lineup cannot be beat, you'd play it as as many times as you could. If you knew that that lineup can't possibly be beat, but that's the only way to know that is with complete information. But even when you put in the lineup multiple times. The expected value of a lineup will always go down with more lineups that you put in. Your portfolio as a whole, every time, this is the concept. This is what you, if you go to theoryofdfs.com, go get the get the fundamentals masterclass. This is why arguing with people that, that don't understand that, oh, well, with 150 lineups, you can't lose. You know, those types of people. Every additional lineup you play has less equity than the than the first lineup that you play. I'm not talking about from their projection or anything like that. It's just simple math. Okay, let's say this is the payout structure of the contest, right? First, this, the the to tenth, and you played one lineup for five dollars. We'll call the entry fee five bucks or whatever. Okay, so you're spending five dollars, right? Five dollars to win a hundred thousand. Okay, you're spending five. Like, what's the most you could win with this lineup? You have one lineup, hundred thousand dollars comes in fifth place. You get what five thousand, whatever. But the highest you could possibly win is a hundred thousand dollars with one lineup. Now let's say you have two lineups. Okay, so your second is if you play two different lineups, right? What's the most that the second lineup you play could possibly win if your first place if your first lineup wins? Well, that's only forty thousand dollars, right? Even if you play the same lineup twice, right? What's if you played the same lineup twice? What's the most amount that each lineup could possibly win? Seventy thousand dollars, right? Because you'd split first and second. 
You're paying the same price regardless. You're doubling, right? $5, $10. Let's say you spend for three lineups, $15. You're spending an additional $5 to win the most you could possibly win with that lineup is now $20,000. Because you're competing against your first lineup and your second lineup. But you're, pl- you're paying the same amount. You're not paying any less for it. So let's say you play four lineups. Your fourth lineup, Max winnings is $10,000. The expected value of each lineup as you add more goes down and down. So now you add the sixth lineup. Now you're spending $25. $5, you're spending $5 more to gain only an additional max equity of $5,000, right? The difference between $10,000 and $5,000. You're spending now when you go down even six lineups. You're spending the same, you're spending $5 like anyone else to gain an additional what? An additional $3,500 worth of equity. 35, right down here. 30, 40, 45, 50. You see that these, these are just 10 lineups. Once you get to the 150th place, 150th place in this contest may only pay what? Hundred bucks, maybe, maybe, maybe if that seventy-five dollars, maybe. But you're still paying another five dollars for that entry. You're not getting a discount on the entry. Still paying another five dollars on the entry. So your hundred and fiftieth lineup, you're spending five dollars to gain at maximum seventy-five dollars worth of equity. At maximum, right? That's that's if all your lineups come in first and fiftieth, which isn't going to happen. Right? Unless you have a time machine. But even if you did have a time machine, let's say you did have a time machine, your 150th lineup, even if you duplicated yourself 150 times with the nut lineup that you knew was the nuts and no one else would have, you would get first to 150th place. But if you put in only 149 times, and let's say 150th place was $75 and the entry fee was five bucks. That 140, that 150th lineup, you're spending five to make $75. You know it because you have 149 other lineups that are going to be above it anyway. So how much, how much value, how much value are you getting? Now it's plus EV. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Cause you, obviously, you know, what's happened in the contest, you know, I mean, you have, you have the time machine, right? You have the complete information. So even if you're putting in 150 lineups, you're always competing against your own lineups also. My one lineup that I have against you, my max is $100,000. My second lineup, same thing. My max is $40,000. My third, my max is $20,000. Okay? The more and more lineups that you put in, the less and less expected value your overall portfolio gets. Because each lineup can't each have a shot. They each have a shot at winning 100,000. But when one wins 100,000, the other 149 can't. The other 149 are only competing for 40,000 bucks. Okay? This is is the equity dynamics of the contest, of a progressive payout structure contest. So if that's the case, and you do not have complete information, right? I'm using the case that you're a time traveler. 
right? And if you're a time traveler playing a, a 150 line of train in a 150 max contest, that would make sense, right? You know exactly what's first place, right? But is there a reason to play 150 of the same lineup any other time? I'll let, I'll let the YouTube chat uh, see if they can figure that out because there is another time that you should do that all that that it would be plus it would be plus EV to do so. Will it be the most EV? Remember, we're not talking about plus EV, negative EV. These aren't like black and white things of like something is plus EV and there's no there's no measure of that. It's more or less. Is it above the line of, of positive expected value or negative? It's not it's not like a magnetic charge, right? Something if if let's say on this five dollar on this five dollar uh entry, your expected value was five dollars and one cent. On another five dollar entry, your expected value was sixty-seven million dollars. Okay, I'm always using exaggeration to prove the point, whatever that is. Both of these lineups are plus EV, right? One is positive by a cent. You should be profitable on average a cent. This year should be profitable on average $67 million. Which one would you rather play? Which one would you rather have? I'd rather have the $67 million. But it doesn't mean you can't be profitable with the first one, right? So it's not like plus EV, negative EV. It's like, like what's more profitable long-term and less profitable long-term. It's quite possible to be profitable long-term, but not be the most profitable long-term. There are a lot of things that, that top DFS players do. That is plus EV, but not like they're not maximizing their EV. They're still profitable. They're still making money. But Daniel Hutchings says in the chat, more subtly, if you're a plus EV player, each entry you make is slightly less EV because you have more and more competition with yourself. Yes. But I was asking, what, where would be the time where you wouldn't mind. It would be plus EV to play a lineup trend. Like in a 20 max contest, say I'm going to play 20 of the same lineup. Or in a 150 max contest, I'm going to play 150 of the same lineup. When would it be worth it to do so? Will it be the most worth it to do? Would it be better to build lineups that, you know, that are different? Yeah, yeah, it would. But there, there are times where playing 150 of the same lineup is profitable. Should be profitable. Matthew Gajewski says it. You know you have a large enough edge on the field and chose not to take the time to build more than one lineup. Well, yeah, that that's 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 uh I, the first part is worth more than the second part. The second part is more of an excuse. If the field is bad enough, okay, if the field is bad enough, where you get outsized equity on your edge. Even if you don't come in first place or anything like that, that it's still profitable. So, like in the middle, like if I, I would, I would fathom that you could play your cash, your median optimal lineup in the million in the NFL Millie Maker contest, a hundred and fifty times and be profitable on the season, on on that long term and not on the season. I'd, right, you only get seventeen weeks or whatever. The NFL Millie Maker is the softest contest in DFS. You'll get so, so many lineups that are very poorly projected. Because that's what you're looking for. Very poorly projected lineups. 
the more and more very poorly projected lineups there are in a contest. Feel free. They're seeding you min cash equity. And if you get 1.5x or 2x your money, go for it. Do it 150. What? Now, now there's no reason not to do it 150 times. Because then we get we get down to double ups. Like when we're talking about double ups, you wouldn't play the same lineup multiple times. Right? There's no incentive to do so. Oh, why why am I gonna play why am I gonna play different lineups into a contest where coming in in a hundred man 50-50? Coming in 50th and coming in first is the same. I don't need to capture any different type of equity. It's like if I have the option to play five lineups into that contest, I'm gonna play the lineup that I think should place in the top half and play it five to five five at the same time. So you have the effects of the the extra equity. Right, but let's 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 do this for double ups, right? I mean, let's just say you're in a double up and a 20 man double up or whatever, a 50 50, right? Right, let's say it's a five dollar double up, right? All these spots get get ten dollars, right? Like all these spots get ten. Let's say you're in a 10 man double or whatever it is, right? All these spots are ten dollars. So, any extra extra any extra uh lineup that you put in. You're spending an extra $5 to get $10 of equity, right? Now you put in your second lineup, which can't come in first place. It can only come in second place, but first place is only $10. Second place is also $10. Third place is also $10. Fourth, So every time you add an extra entry, you're getting the equivalent amount of equity. So because you're getting the equivalent amount of equity, does it matter that you play the same lineup at the same time? No, it doesn't matter. If you come in, come in sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth. Okay, come in forty first, forty second, forty third, forty fourth. Come, it doesn't matter. They all pay the same amount anyway. One lineup really is not competing against the other lineup for any extra equity. In GPP, they are because it's progressively paid out. It's not just one. Like every five dollars you spend on this contest gets you less and less possible equity in the contest. Which is why, which is why playing 150 lineups in large field GPPs is way harder, way more skillful than playing one. Why is that? Why would you, what, conceptually, figure, figure it out. Why would playing 150 lineups be much more difficult to be profitable than playing one? Even in large, we're talking about large field GPPs, right? 50,000 people playing, right? 50,000 lineups. You go, you go, you go on Twitter, you go on Reddit, you hear, you see people post, post garbage, you know, garbage advice like, oh, if you're going to play the large field GPPs, if you can't, if you, this is what I, this is what you hear. If you can't max it out, don't play it. You're not on any even playing field, right? You're competing against people that are playing 150 lineups and you only have one lineup. Go play a, go play a contest where they're only playing one lineup. Like that, that's such horrible advice. It makes no mathematical sense. It is actually easier. It is as easier to be profitable playing less lineups if you just compare it on a user-by-user basis. But why is that? We're expl- I'm explaining why it is right now. 
Why is it so much more difficult? It gets more, the more and more lineups you play, the harder and harder it is to be profitable. Even though you, you, you see the, the idiots online that say, I, oh, I can play 150 lineups. I'd win all the time also, right? It's what we're talking about right here. It's on the it's on the sheet in front of you. Every extra dollar you spend is worth less and less to you in equity. You have to make that up, right? You have to have enough edge, right? That your 127th lineup is worth more than most of the field's lineups. Because your 127th additional entry, let's say it's a $15 contest, right? We could the DraftKings contest today. We could even go there. Let's let's take a look at like the, the basketball, the NBA contest today. So let's take a look. Let's go to let's go to contest. Where are we going? Lobby. We'll take a look. What's the payout structure? UFC, NBA. I, I rarely ever go on the DraftKings site. Okay. So you got NBA here. Right, 27,400 entries. Let's take a look. Let's take a look. Look at this payout structure, okay? If you played 150 lineups and you came in first through 150th, 100, your 131st through 150th lineup is only going to get paid 70 bucks, okay? It's only going to get paid 70 bucks. This is a, This is a $15 contest. Okay, that's not even five X, right? That's four point whatever X, four and two thirds X. So once you enter your 131st lineup, the maximum that that lineup can make is not even five X. Once you enter your 51st lineup, the max that that can make is 150 bucks. Okay. So these lineups have to be so much significantly better, have a better chance at first place than so many of the other lineups in the contest. The fact that you're paying the same $15 to get less and less equity into the contest. When you're only playing one lineup, you're paying 15 and my shot is at $100,000. If I play two, my shot is at $130,000. I've I've spots in these equity zones and I'm paying only $30 for it, right? If you pay $60, you get now equity spots into, you know, the top four. But you still, the people that are paying more and more entries, they're $15 entries and taking them as far, which means your top lineups, you're gonna build 150 lineups. You 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 have to build you have to build significantly higher EV lineups in your 150 lineup portfolio. Yet if I'm playing one lineup into this contest, I could build a lineup theoretically, a 150 max player, right? A good 150 max player could play 150 lineups. I could build one lineup that is not better. Not has has a le- a lower EV than half of their lineups, and I'm I would be more profitable. I'm building a lineup that is is as plus EV as their 76th lineup, and just from the from the way that 
the equity in contests are that they're so top heavy and so progressive that the 76th place line, I mean, the 76th place lineup is what? $150. Okay. But my lineup, my, my, their 76th lineup only has $150 extra equity. And my lineup has a shot at first place because I'm not competing against any other, my other lineups. I'm paying $15 for purely, I, I, get, I get the maximum amount of value from my entry fee. Now, if it was, if it was that every ed, extra entry costs you less money, then, then, then we can start talking about, oh yeah, it's worth it now to play a lot more lineups, right? If I know that my 150 lineup could only net me 70 bucks, but it only cost me two bucks for that additional lineup, then yeah, sure, maybe it's worth it then. But not when every lineup is $15. That's why you've seen me in the past. Like most slates, when I play large field GPPs, I can play five lineups. I have no problem. That's what I used to, before I had a, a, a bankroll, a big bankroll. Back in 2016, 2017, I, I have no problem. I have eight lineups into these contests. Then you'd start bumping it up once you start learning how to play and building plus EV lineups more and more and seeing how much edge you have. Then you're like, okay, I'll build 15 lineups, 20 lineups. Then you start learning how to use tools like lineup HQ, like optimizers and stuff. Like, okay, now I can recreate this and build 40 lineups, 60 lineups. But I don't, I rarely play 150. It's hard. It's hard to play 150 because of this dynamic. The more and more lineups that you put in, the less and less equity you get for on the dollar for your entry fee. Which means your lineup, your lineups have to be even better and better than the field on average. Daniel Hutchins says, well, you could imagine a contest where lineup L should be owned multiple times at equilibrium, and you would expect it to be underowned. In a contest tight with many entrants and few possible lineups. Yeah. He's talking about like when it would be beneficial to duplicate your lineup multiple times, right? If it's something so under-owned, under-equilibrium, you'd, you'd, you'd play it multiple times because of that. A&S Comedy says, I feel like you need to have a mental risk tolerance to run a 20 lineup train. It couldn't be me. Well, I mean, if you're playing within, you know, the scope of your bankroll. The whole thing of, of, of running a whole a 20 lineup train is that the field is so bad that you're kind of playing it like it's a double up, right? I've done that before. Especially when you run at a time. That's why Matt Gajewski's like, oh yeah, you planned on playing 20 entries and then, uh-oh, you ran at a time and you just ran, you ran like a two 10 lineup trains because you're you're out of time. And it, it could still be plus EV. It's you not know, maximizing your EV, but it could still be depending on how bad the field is. Daniel Hudgens makes makes a makes a a nitpicky point. There's only one strategic benefit to playing 150. That is, you know, a tiny amount of the ownership in the contest, namely your own, seems a very small effect, though, right? Depending on obviously, but obviously, if you're playing 150 lineups, you're playing in a contest with 27,000 entries. I mean, I mean, how many that you're, it's it's not that large of a percent of of the contest. But ANS Comedy says the exact. Maybe may, says it uh, more succinctly. 
More lineups, the more cost, higher risk. You got to finish higher to break even. That's correct. That's essentially what I'm saying here. So getting back to the question, is there a reason that many players use a lineup train in 20 max contest? Obviously, I'm I'm using this episode to show the general, the gen, like go back to the, you know, the equity dynamics of payout structures, right? What EV of lineups are. Like go back to the just the core basics of playing DFS, of what the DFS contest look like as a game. So you could think to yourself, you go, oh, okay, I see a person doing X, Y, and Z. Well, what would the benefit of doing that? What would be the downside? What would be the upside? What would be the downside? Are there specific instances where that could be beneficial? Are there instances where where it's horrible to do? And could it be that, could it be plus EV, but just not like, not, not great EV, right? Like in the NFL Millie Maker, I th- I think, especially at the beginning, but probably towards the probably towards the end of the season also. If you just play, if you played the if you played the Blitz Optimal or something or the RG Optimal, and you just said I'm going to play it 150 times in the Millie Maker, I th- I think you'd be profitable. There's so many bad lineups in that contest. Yet, what's your shot at first place? Not not much. I mean you're. You're you're seeding so much equity in the top spots that like, is it worth even doing? There are better things to do than that, but I still think it would be profitable. So that doesn't make it wrong, right? When someone chooses a less EV option that is still profitable, that's on them. That's on them. And 150 lineups, like sometimes uh, uh, people would ask me when I played a bunch of lineups. That some of my lineups were too chalky, right? Because I'm typically a contrarian player, right? So like you go back in the day and I'm 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 playing, you know, 75 lineups in NBA. That's right. I'm, I'm not playing NBA anymore. And they they check, they'd, they'd look, they they study my lineups and they'd find like three or four lineups that are like, well, this is kind of like a cash lineup with a 2v2. Like, like this is not as, as much leverage as what you say. I said, yeah, because I built 75 lineups knowing that, hey, some some of them are uh, loss leaders, right? Sometimes you build 150 lineups to get 140 good lineups knowing that 10 of the lineups may not be exactly what you want, right? That's the, the cost of doing business, depending on how you're building. Like if you're doing in very blunt methodologies, using optimizers, using lineup HQ tools and stuff like that, weeding stuff out, there are tons of times, tons of times where I'm developing a portfolio of lineups where like in in a reasonable amount of time, I'm getting to the point where, yeah, this lineup at the bottom may be maybe too contrarian, but I got two minutes left. I got to, I got to upload something, right? I got to the point where I'm happy with 98% of my portfolio. So I'm just gonna upload it, right? And and I'm good. And if I if I have a lineup or two. That is probably negative EV, but probably not absurdly negative EV. Like I can live with that. That's the, the cost of doing business. So you see that a lot in top players' portfolio. Sometimes you, you, you see, you see, like certain days, it seems like some top player like didn't have the time and just ran like the top 150 optimal lineups. Some days you'll see that, right? You'll see you'll see McLovin do that every so often. 
You go, oh, it's it's it. They literally like, like they literally ran, ran. It's like the top lineup is like the like just what what are the top one fifty optimals and that's it. Nothing nothing else. And you go and then someone will email. You go, oh look look at what the, what what did they figure out? So they didn't figure out anything. Their 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 lineup portfolio is not very good. The contest may be so bad that maybe they can make money doing that a little bit amount amount of money. But I just figure that on that given day. They're playing like 17 sites and 400 slates at the same time that they just like up. They ran at a time and just like might as well put in 150 optimals than 150 different optimal. It wasn't like the lineup train, but like the top optimal, you know, the top median optimal, then the second one, then the third one. And they just did that just to throw, just to have something in there that's not a dummy lineup. Because you'll see that. You'll see sometimes players, you know, you'll see in baseball coming up that. You go, oh, this person like played like they locked in five, they locked in a stack and a pitcher, and then they ran everything else. Is that a good thing to do? Is that, well, I mean, it could be. And then on the next day, you don't see that from them. It's like, well, what could have happened? It's like maybe they ran at a time, or they saw that that was that based on what their their simulations or whatever that this this stack and this pitcher was so overwhelmingly plus EV that they just like, nope, I'm going to take all the risk in the world today and just lock six people or something like that. They think that way. Is it the most plus? Is it the is it the highest EV thing to do? No, but your, your goal isn't to play the highest EV thing. Just to be profitable. And depending on your risk tolerance, that's how much, the, the more profit you want to get, the more risk you have to take. And some people don't, don't like high risk situations. Or sometimes you develop a portfolio that has different bands of risk. Some really contrarian lineups, some really chalky lineups to balance out the risk of your portfolio. Daniel Hutchings says, in progressive payout structures, you do not want to be correlated with other lineups. What's worse than having a 100% chance of correlating with uh, 149 other lineups? That's what your train gets you. That's correct. It's poor from an equity standpoint, but if the field is bad enough, it can eke out a profit just by like min cashing. Would I do that? No, but I could see, I could see someone having that reason to do so. Most of the time, I'm 99% of the time in payout structure uh, contests, you, sh- you should not be duplicating with you. You shouldn't be duplicating with anyone, let alone yourself. You're paying an extra $15, $5, $100, whatever the entry fee for less and less equity every every additional lineup. So if you're going to play the same lineup, why, why why are you paying the same price for less money? Especially if you're playing the same lineup. If you knew, if you had perfect information, right, perfect information, like just play one lineup and come in first place. That, that would be the highest EV. Right in technicality, right? With perfect information that 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 uh, example we had before, and it was 150 max contest. The highest EV thing you could do is play one lineup with that with that perfect lineup. Playing the same lineup twice is actually less EV. It gives you more raw money though, right? It gives you because you'll win 100, you'll win 100,000 for first and 30,000 for second. But from an EV perspective. Fifteen dollars, right? 
When you spend $15, you win $100,000. When you spend $30, you win $130,000, $130, right? So it's each lineup, EV actually goes down. But of course, in this scenario, when you have per- perfect information, uh, probably we shouldn't call it expected value anymore because it's, it's your expectation is that you're going to win whatever spot that you put the lineup in because you have a time machine. So I hope this answers the question, Jeremy, who answered it, or other people. So I'll get I'll get this from I'll I'll get I get this I see it I see it on Twitter even, especially when a lineup train wins, right? A GPP, someone that like duped themselves ten times, and especially when you come in eleventh place, right? When it's like, oh, I beat out every lineup. I should have came in second, but this guy put it in ten different times. You go, is that a good thing to do? It's like no. So it's almost it's most of the people that would be doing that are are not good players. Okay. So in general, as a heuristic, as a heuristic, unless there are these very specific instances that would still be less profitable than you playing different lineups, but maybe could be profitable. Play different lineups, even if you have to change one person, right? That's sometimes the more frustrating thing. Not frustrating. It's not me doing it. Just looking at someone else doing it. Where someone like plays like 50 of the same lineup. And I'm like, especially, especially in NFL, it's like change the defense. Like do something, right? Do something different. Like, okay. Every lineup has the $3,700 defense. Okay. How about the $3,600 defense? How about the $3,500? Just change the defense then. But typically the type of, the type of users that are doing this, are not people that understand why why they should be doing you know changing the defense. They just like oh they're gonna oh I'm gonna play the same lineup in in a whole bunch of times because I don't know they think they're gonna win more money because of it. Okay, hit that thumbs up button on your way out the door. So give me those thummy thumbs. We're talking about lineup trains. Lineup that'll be the title. Lineup trains. So whenever anyone DMs me, I could uh Send them, send them to the, this video, I guess. I think I did a decent explanation, right? Decent enough. I think so, right? I think it could have been better, but I talk more about it, right? Stuff like equity, progressive payout structures, you know, basically how the game, what, what is the game objective of DFS? In the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports, 15-hour audio masterclass. You can pick up at theoryofdfs.com as well as the advanced players course, which comes with custom Excel tools. So go check those out. Theoryofdfs.com. Hit that like button. I'm a constantly smash the like button, right? I got a Devin's here. I got to keep on going. Smash the like button. I think I'm the, I think I, truthfully, I think I'm the host that asked that smash the like button more than anything else. So I think I'm good, right? I think, do we have enough likes? Do we have enough likes? We don't have enough likes. Um, I don't know. Maybe the show goes away. Maybe, maybe it does. Right? Does it go away? Does it matter? I said one one per, one person emailed me or something like that, and uh, I threw DM me, and I, th- their only question was why 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 am I why am I not more popular? <laughs> like as a compliment, as more like like I've been I've been watching your show. I, I just found your show like a week or two ago. And I've been watching all your stuff, and I just don't understand why. Only a couple of hundred people or like a thousand or whatever. Like, watch, why why isn't your show more popular? Like, 
Like you're, you're the only one talking about like all, almost all of this type of stuff. And I go, I, my, my, you know where my response is? I'm like, probably a good thing for us. It isn't as popular, <laughs> right? There wouldn't be an edge. There wouldn't be an edge if this was too popular, right? Right. That's that's the difference, right? When people, oh, you're giving away everything. It's like, you know how many people play DFS? You know how many people? You know how many people? Well, we'll hear this type of information and then go, eh, I don't need that. I just need to know how, how Walker Kessler is going to do tonight or Olenek is going to do tonight. Right, what, what, what all this fancy math stuff? Get out of here. Get out of here. Just, just tell me how the Knicks are going to do tonight, right? That, that's that's like 95% of people. So let them, what does it matter? The 5% of us that actually know what the hell we're doing, we'll make the money off of them. That's fine. I'm fine with that. I'm absolutely fine with that. And I like teaching you. Right. And a lot of people, and then 95% of people that watch this can't even implement it. So they don't even do it right. Right. There's only like, right. I look in the chat and I go, okay, just basically, it's basically, uh, you know, some of the people in the chat are decent and that's about it. Right. Right. How do I get to, how did I get to the point now that at the end of the show that I'm pretty much insulting most of the audience? I don't know. But if it, if, if anyone was going to get there, it was going to be me. It was going to be me. Okay. So hit that like button, hit the subscribe button. Obviously, if you want lineup HQ, you want all the all the MLB stuff coming up, NBA, get the combo premium package. I don't know why people do sport-based packages on Roto Grinders. It's like one price, you get everything. So click on that link in the description, get a get $10 off a combo premium package. You get MMA, soccer, uh XFL, whatever, and any sport. You can just go there and just like, okay, you got everything. Like it doesn't cost that much more than a single sport. And you'll get NBA and MLB at the same time, right? You get PGA, you get everything. So I don't know why you don't do. You get the projections and ownership. You get if you got the theory of DFS for advanced players with the custom Excel tools and a roto grinder subscription like that. What, what else do you need? There's nothing. There's nothing else that you need. Right? You, you literally do exactly what I do. Like like there's nothing else that you need. Pretty much, right? Right. Pretty much. I don't know. You, you pretty much don't need anything else, and you could be profitable. So I don't know why people don't do it. I, I'm glad we should be glad that not enough people do it, but you should. You should do it. Okay, I'll be back tomorrow. Submit your questions, right? Just like Jeremy Robbins did. So if you have any questions about DFS strategy, I'll be here answering them, right? Submit them. Questions at theoryofdfs.com. You'll see me here Monday through Friday. 11 o'clock Eastern on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.